welcoming you to the Intune podcast with myself, Ashley Velvet Frost. I am a holistic coach and deep diver of life, fascinated with the interconnectedness and uniqueness of our individual life and healing journeys. We are not one size fits all when it comes to thriving in our health and well-being. We are a combination of our physical, emotional, intellectual, energetical and spiritual bodies. It's my mission to support others in building their own unique toolkit for holistic living. I believe that knowing yourself deeply can in turn change your world. In this podcast, we'll be following the Intune Five Frequencies, a method for empowering you to become your own self-healer and bring your life back into alignment. The brainwave frequencies gamma, beta, alpha, theta, and delta relate to topic areas of mind, connections, body, direction, and spirit. You'll be hearing from inspiring people who are embodying these five frequencies, collecting insights, stories, tips, coaching, and guaranteed new ways of living in tune. So welcome, welcome everybody back to another episode of the Intune podcast with myself, Ashley Velvet Frost. And today I have one of my dear sisters, Sonia Muller, who's joining. I've invited her on really under the frequency of Delta. So under spirit or spirituality, your connection to soul, your energy, the inside you. She is a very intuitive and deeply wise woman who has her hands in multiple different modalities and it just felt really, really natural to bring her on. We have known each other through our emotional release training and our journey and working together now also with emotional releases. And I've seen Sonia working. I've seen how she manages the energies of a space and within other people. And I can't wait to have her here to explain more about everything that is spirit, <laughs> the big wise topic. So Sonia, welcome, welcome. How are you today? I'm so good. I'm so, I feel so honored to be on your podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much for this opportunity. Of course. I'm deeply grateful. And yeah, I always start the podcast in the same way with this very vague question of who are you and how did you get here today? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I am, well, I am an intuitive or, I mean, some people would call it witch. So I work with um, ancestral healing, tarot, use divination a lot. And um, kind of my mission, or made it kind of my mission to put these tools out of their dusty, esoteric light where they are. Because um, I think there are a lot of people who are um using this as in a fraud way yeah try to pull people off and especially like on social media i um, reckon a lot that there were readings offered and stuff so um i still work with this since well actually my grandmother um was already a tarot reader she used regular prey cards mm-hmm. and kind of this um, was something that I grew up with a little bit. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. 
yeah I mean it's these kind of topics that even to say the phrase witch nowadays people were very confused by sometimes because it's like something you see in a movie or there's a lot of misunderstandings about what it means to work with these kind of tools and that actually nothing really sinister about it um, yeah I mean did you do like obviously you're exposed to it when you were younger but were there any like how did your journey take you to really diving deeper into these kind of modalities and we'll go into the detail of what they are later but I also know like you've had a very rich life you've lived in many places you've also lived like in the normal world as well so um yeah maybe there's anything else you want to add about this side of you as well which is very exciting side <laughs> well um well it started pretty easy like in my home with the we used smudging and stuff for um to get energy out and later on I discovered or I was traveling a lot actually I was traveling the world and that was what I wanted to do in my 20s so I became a flight attendant and um, besides of working in the travel industry I also tried to live abroad to um, go on long holiday trips and actually bit by bit I met people the right people at the right time and their qualities and their knowledge mm -hmm. kind of added up to mine and I always thought like I have to look outside for this knowledge I have to go to Japan to learn Reiki like the right way I have to go to Mexico to learn about shamanism and about ancient Mayan cultures and the rituals and the um, plants that they use mm -hmm. and after traveling like a lot and um, discovering a lot of knowledge and meeting a lot of people mm -hmm. um, after like 15 years or so I came home and I found out that all this rituals of ancient cultures and um or how do you say indigenous cultures that they're not so far away from the culture that i come from that they're not so far away from the celtic bayouvar um, origins the stories that we tell the plants that we use for smudging mm -hmm. like they are pretty much substitutes for um everything all around the world like you can discover one plant in madagascar which is very special there and they use it for a particular purpose and then you find its cousin or sibling in the forest of your hometown and you'd be surprised because people take it for the same purpose actually but you never really made the connection to it <laughs> yeah I love that because there's always this um I want to call it like healing spiritual stereotype that you must like leave really far away to these exotic lands to have these experiences for healing that actually you can also do in your own home or in your own room if you are actually connected to the land that you live on which is all the same it's just like geographically different distances away um yeah I mean I'm there's a lot of different things in here that I'm really curious about um I'm going to start, let's keep with like the herbs and the plants because of this is something that 
Um, a lot of us live in cities. A lot of us are relying on Western medicine when things go wrong. Um, so yeah, I mean, if somebody's kind of interested in going down more of like the connecting with herbs and plants and um, how can somebody even start with that? Mm, I mean, I think that most people who start with herbal medicine have already tried um, have already tried Western medicine. Mm. So um, there must be like a symptom or anything. I can tell the story how I started. Mm. Well, I got diagnosed with, um, they told me that I had like a cyst in my left ovary. Mm -hmm. So I had to go to the hospital to get it checked. And at the hospital, they told me like the size of the cyst is already like four to six centimeters. So it's like an orange size approximately, more or less like an orange. And I had to get it removed. So they took some blood tests and um, they were kind of pushing me to the direction to get the surgery done in um, two or three weeks. So I was kind of stressed out from the situation and um, I walked out of this hospital and I sat on the steps and all I wanted to do at this moment was to smoke. So <laughs> I went for the next um, uh, shop for um, the tobacco shop. Mm-hmm. And I went in, I bought some cigarettes and I still had from the blood testing, I had um, like the scotch on mm-hmm. my arm. Cotton buds, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the guy asked me like, what happened to you? And I was not prepared to answer this. I was really in my head. I was not prepared to answer this question. And so everything like flooded out of me. Like I have to cyst in my ovary. And they told me that I had to get it removed. And uh, I feel so unstable in my, um, in my femininity because um, I am scared that I have cancer and all this stuff came up. And he just looked at me <laughs> and he was like, okay, great, because I'm a shaman. And I was like, what? <laughs> and behind this guy, there were all these cigarette boxes. And I'm like, are you really? And then I turned around and actually it is, or it, it felt like as if the re- reality shifted in this story because like from the cigarettes, selling point like I turned around and there were just crystals and smudge and stuff in his shop and I was so surprised and I love that. I, yeah it's like and the actually, matrix like something just like shifted a bit and you saw the actual reality <laughs> yeah and he was like so that's not a problem and he was pulling out this huge book about herbs from the from the Amazon he actually was from Peru mm-hmm. so he was pulling out this book and recommending me like three or four herbs mm-hmm. that grow actually at the Amazon, but also have like um, similar or cousins here in Europe. And so I was looking up these plants and I'm gonna make the rest of the story short. So I was um, wearing the crystals that he recommended and I was doing like washings with the herbs that he recommended. And um, at the end, when I had the, I got the surgery done, 
because I still believe in Western medicine and that it's important to um, rely on it when there are um, difficult things in your body. Mm-hmm. And um, as they actually, as I woke up from the surgery, the doctor actually came over and said like, well, um, we didn't find the cyst anymore, it was gone, but <laughs> we found endometriosis in your body and we removed that. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so actually the cyst brought me to the endometriosis um, diagnosis, <clears throat> which I could then work on and work with other people on. Mm-hmm. And brought me also to herbal um, healing with plants and shamanism, wow. which is pretty amazing for a cyst, what it can do. <laughs> Safe to say, did it assist you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I promise that's the only dad joke I'll do for the episode. Actually, I can't promise that. You know me. Like, <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, that's beautiful because also I know that womb work and this kind of um, diagnosis I know also has been a massive part of your own journey as well. Um, yeah. But like, let's go into that topic because that's also linked with ancestral healing and everything. Like, let's go. I mean, I was probably also preface like not all of you are watching on the video, but Sonia's got a beautiful baby bump going on. I don't know, how many months are you now? Six months? It's here. Yeah. 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 Vibrant and glowing. And yeah. So yeah, let's go into this topic because this links also with like emotional release and links with all of it. So definitely. That's actually how I came to emotional release. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And I'm so grateful because we met. This is all like. Yeah. So beautiful circumstances. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I got diagnosed with endometriosis and I wanted to see some specialists. And endometriosis is a sickness that is very, like, it has so many different faces and is different for every woman. Mm-hmm. And um, I went to a specialist and um, I was already like a um, patient for depression at that time. And he related this a lot, like um, the cycle, my cycle and depression and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, he diagnosed me. Well, the thing that he actually said, he said literally that I was 20, eight or 29 at the time and he literally said to me um i should get going to get pregnant soon because i might not be able to conceive in my 30s anymore (laughs) that was his um expert opinion on it and i thought like well (laughs) let's look into this because it's really Well, it's kind of curious is that in my motherly ancestral line, all of the women dealt, well, the four women that I know of, um, all dealt with infertility and I'm actually an in vitro child. So my mother also went to, through um, IVF. Yeah, um, hormonal therapy and IVF and uh, 
then I thought like, okay, maybe I have to go this way too then. But it was not so necessary back then because I hadn't had like the wish to become a mother yet. <laughs> yeah. So I just let this settle. And um, a few years later, when I discovered, or when I met David and when I booked a course for um, to become an emotional releaser and discovered this um, amazing tool that David actually gave us with emotional release, with accessing our subconscious through the body. Um, I discovered that in almost all of my sessions, Mm-hmm. there were ancestors showing up <laughs> and um, I always really enjoyed working with them and then I had clients who also had the same history like me who had endometriosis mm-hmm. and who had um, mothers grandmothers great-grandmothers who suffered from infertility and I was like, okay, let's look into this. Mm-hmm. And actually what I found out is that um, most of these women have ancestors. I mean, like, let's talk for a second what happens with the uterus. So the uterus is our first home, let's say on this earth. Mm-hmm. And what the endometriotic endometriosis endometrium (laughs) thank you (laughs) is is actually is the interior of the uterus Mm -hmm. and um when the interior is found in different places in your body where it doesn't belong it means like it left your home Mm -hmm. so the connection that i made (laughs) back then was that most of these women, or actually all that I worked with, um, had grandmothers or great-grandmothers who left their home country. Mm. So there's like... Um, displacement. Yeah, yeah, displacement of home, of um, feeling at home somewhere else. And I thought like, wow, that's, that's like, that makes sense in kind of a way to... Um, take like all the interior that you have and just place it somewhere else wow. somewhere where it's not your home mm-hmm. and this is also causing a lot of trauma in the past generations and they have not had the tools nor the knowledge to work themselves through it so what they did like they passed it on to the next generation and um, well this is one part of the story <laughs> and the other part is that most likely there was a situation in the mother, grandmother, or great-grandmother's life where they found it unsafe or uh, not safe with the partner, with the place, with the times to have a baby. Mm. But they found themselves pregnant. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. So this information is also stored in the body of of the baby or of the child then and gets transported. Like this information of um, you shouldn't continue our line, our genetical line. And 
this was really like a, a game changer when I found out that there's a lot of unrelieved sadness from the ancestors. And also, of course, this displayed always in the lives of the clients because sometimes they were in relationships where they actually had the wish to build a family, but not with this partner in particular. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. you name it yeah wow I mean this this like deeply touches my heart because if you think back because we're both northern European like two generations back there's war trauma coming through yeah. like in intense I think my grandmother was only like six or something when she got sent out to the countryside as to not get bombed from in the cities in, in the UK and likewise I mean you're part German as well so it's like this is deeply carried within our ourselves and yeah uh, it's yeah I mean emotional release also just like the the way that this can then be like these patterns can be witnessed and seen and purely by witnessing also the healing begins with this so sometimes even just becoming aware of the ancestral pattern that's playing out is half of the process in itself yeah, yeah. Beautiful. And I mean, like, this is one part, like the ancestral part is one part. And you feel like when something is belonging to you or when it's belonging or when it's passed on yeah. from former generations. That's actually a super, also, sorry, go, yeah. No, sorry. It's a it's a super simple question. Like I remember when we're in, if you're in a process and then sometimes David would just be like, is this yours or someone else's? And just asking yourself that question, it sounds like it's so simple like you wouldn't be able to tell that you're like oh actually no this does not feel like my baggage this is not mine like oh whose is it is it male or female like how far back does it go and then often your intuition just pops in the right number to your head like how many generations back is this like oh for some reason three is coming to mind it's like well there you go it's something from that point like it, yeah the shamanistic aspect of ancestral healing is um yeah I'm such a fan of it like it brings so much insight into ourselves and stuff. Me too. I really love to do this work and I really love to work with ancestors because in family systems, what we sometimes forget, like the soul doesn't know any conflict. So there's always just love. Mm -hmm. And um, I think, well, I always feel honored when people like come to me and want to do this work because um the space holding that it requires to um, welcome everyone, everyone from, from their ancestral line and make them actually feel welcome is not so easy because there are a lot of, um, well, I mean, you don't know who's coming. So it could be <laughs> um, Charles Mason, his, Manson, Mason himself, yeah. but you still have to be like completely neutral to that and mm -hmm. still have to be welcoming for this person to show up so that the client can make um, a peaceful, um, like a peaceful connection with this family member or with this part of themselves. Yeah, beautiful. And how did this then link to you now being pregnant and having broken this ancestral pattern of infertility naturally? Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, um, that was also like a long story because um, I 
I thought for a while that people who come to me, like women who come to me with their infertility problems, like I can get them pregnant, <laughs> but I can, cannot do it for myself. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's not like, I mean, of course, it's not me to get them pregnant, but like sooner or later, um, during most client or most processes where I accompany people, they got pregnant <laughs> after a while. <laughs> Even if it's um, even if it was not ancestral or just like um, another thing in their body, so um, I wondered why this didn't work out for me, and there were different things. Okay, first of all, like I did not allow myself to be a mother, but like if you look close to it, um, everyone, every woman and every man has motherly aspect. You sometimes take care of a sibling. You take care of a friend. That's also like being in the role of the mother. So I looked into my life and I looked like, okay, where did I show up as this archetype already? And where am I this? And how am I in this role? Do I feel like I can own it or not? Can I allow myself to be a mother? And then like this wish formed, um, I wanted to start a family and I saw all the joy that children bring to my friends and in my family circle and um, I was so touched by, I always felt like it's an honor that a soul comes to you and wants you as a parent. That's something incredible. It even, <laughs> I could cry if I think about it right now. And I think it's an honor to serve, um, to bring up this life here on earth. Mm. So beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know it's like on the video we're both just like, um, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I'm okay. <laughs> the baby isn't even here yet. <laughs> oh. Okay, so um as always, like I love to ask this question then about these amazing modalities that we talk about. Um if someone's curious about Maybe there's like a, they're like, hold on. I also have things running in my family. Maybe like me, my sister, my mother, my auntie, my grandmother will have this thing. And then people just get told that um, when diseases or occurrences or patterns get passed on, that it's a genetic thing that you can't avoid. So if someone's maybe listening to this and they're like, oh, okay, maybe there are some patterns that I can acknowledge. Um, what's a good way to kind of start digging into these kind of things um, where well, it can be genetic of course and um, I think that a good way to start would be already to start with like to put up a system for your family to start with you and then start with your with your parents with their siblings and just put it all on paper. Like a family tree. Like a family tree. Yeah. 
and um, that's so much easier for the brain to see the connections mm -hmm. being made mm -hmm. and um, also if you don't know anybody if you I don't know don't know the, the siblings of your great-grandmother something that's not a problem like as soon as you write down those names you're you're gonna dream about these people you're gonna I mean there will be a connection made somehow to your family system and it's also like a really good support system in this way and especially if there are sicknesses or same stories running through families like um it's super super um helpful to note where those lines run yeah and yeah to know like who's kind of reliving a similar story as you or who already set the course for your story yeah i remember the this kind of work was actually my first step into the spiritual world was like family constellation work of mapping out your family um and I do remember this feeling of like a little bit of helplessness of like oh well okay there's all these patterns running and I can see it but like how do I clear like clear from it or like step out of the repeating thing that's going on generation to generation um so like how how can people start to do that in a way to step out yeah <laughs> to stop okay. so yeah it's like basically okay. how can people heal <laughs> <laughs> okay let's first of all acknowledge where or how this pattern runs and what fuels it mm. and um then i mean it's your life it's not like you have to repeat the life of somebody else so you can always take like a different choice for yourself Mm -hmm. you can always take a different step for yourself and that's the empowerment here because all your ancestors are here to help you they don't want to repeat they don't want you to repeat their lives mm -hmm. they're here to applaud you to step out of these patterns and for example if we see this a lot with um with physical abuse in families i think like um generations ago it was okay to like hit children right Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah and then after one generation after two generations even more people stepped out because they saw like this is not okay this is not how i want to raise my kids and that's already a cycle breaking yeah. like if you do things differently if you see what's going on if you are reflective you can always step out of the patterns and it's not I mean, it's sometimes difficult to step out of these. And, um, but I think that everyone of your family stands aside and is happy for you to, or is happy that you do the job that they couldn't do, mm. that they haven't had the capacity, time, or circumstances to fulfill. Yeah. Yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd hope that on like a, a deep level that that motivation is there. Um, I remember like sometimes when you're still faced like with people who are alive in your family, say your parents, when you are doing things that, that are stepping out of those patterns, that's like stepping out of the, the norm of the family system, that that is super triggering to them also. So it can be like deep down, you know that like their soul is happy, but like their conscious ego mind is like 
why are you doing things this way? This is weird. This is different. This is not how we do it. This is not how society does it. Like, why are you choosing this life path, et cetera, et cetera. I know this from firsthand experience. Like never, they're like, we're just saying this with love. Like we're worried or like, this is not normal. This is not like a normal path to go when it's, yeah. I noticed that as well with a lot of people who are breaking these patterns and the chains of what's been going on in their family. I mean, it was for you the same, right? You moved out of the UK. Mm -hmm. You yeah. took your own, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I left a lesser country, <laughs> left my comfortable corporate job, <laughs> have embarked on like plant, plant medicine and lots of like, yeah, things that are very, as you say, esoteric and slightly abstract to the mind, which is that you're going into the different realms, not just this like 3D world that we live in, that's like buildings and work and structures and schedule and going into more chaos sometimes. And that can seem also very destabilizing for people who are used to having a lot of structure and control, but then not much, um, I'd say like inner light or inner freedom. So yeah, it's, yeah, sometimes I feel like a walking mirror for people, walking triggers. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> it's a full-time job. <laughs> That's beautiful because this is actually a talent that everybody can trigger people. Yeah, so, I could do a whole and... episode on that. <laughs> That's really, uh, that's, that's a gift. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had another, well, there's lots of things we haven't touched on. Um, I enjoy that we just took a tangent onto the womb healing because I completely like forgot about that huge aspect of, yeah, your journey and like how important it is. Um, I do want to talk about smudging at some point because, yeah, yeah this is, in more recent years, um, people were talking about like, yeah, like I, even I did this. Like I remember I went to a yoga class and during the Shavasana at the end, they're walking around with a palisanto and I'm like, what is this delightful smell? And how can I get more of this in my life? And I was like, I found it. I also found like stage and you're like, I'm smudging, but I don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> and it's just, <laughs> there is like history and context to it. But also maybe some people are using it just because it's like something they saw on Instagram. So it's like, what is it? And yeah, what's the best way or like, yeah, other ways you can also go into it in more depth because I've seen you smudge. You've smudged also our like rooms when we're doing event spaces and that there's definitely something to it more than just a nice smell. So. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I mean, I love Palo Santo and White Sage and people can never, never go wrong with these because they are safe to use everywhere. There are some herbs that I would not recommend to, um, to use on people or to um, use on pregnant women. <laughs> and um, there are, well, let's start with this, like smudging is used in almost all cultures and that means already something right the church is still using smudge to get people into um into this uh, into this connection with themselves so with the divine and um like smudges sometimes don't just smell good they are there to relieve things so um for example to start with smudging 
I would always recommend, of course, using um, Palo Santo and white sage. On the Palo Santo, we have to say like um, that the Palo Santo tree is already endangered, so <laughs> use it wisely, not every day. And um, most people have their own techniques. So if you want to smudge your body, for example, um, it's pretty good to start at the top of the head. You just like follow the smudge. If it goes in any direction, left or right, that's the side where you continue. And then you smudge the side where the smudge um, is taking you and you just follow that. And um, also it's important like to smudge the hand and the feet chakra or the sole of the feet because like there are most important chakras in there that um, get us into touch with the earth and with other people. <laughs> and if you start with the room, I would always recommend you to start at the entrance door. And never forget the mirrors. <laughs> and yes, let also like the smudge take you to some place. Mm -hmm. And um, Palo Santo and White Sage is actually pretty much smoothing out the energies, but it's not so much clearing. If you want something very clearing, I would recommend use juniper or um, what else is very clearing? I'm gonna have a look. Um, yeah, you can use um, almost all um, copal forms and, <laughs> and mirror, mirror, mirror. Mur. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Like like what Jesus got gifted. Yeah. Yeah. Gold frankincense and myrrh. <laughs> and frankincense is amazing. Ah, uh, one of my yeah, favorite. Yeah, that's lifting your spirit like super high. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. I mean, I so I know that smudging you can have in like forms of sticks. It can also come in forms like. Have you got one of them near you? The little pots that you can burn things in the gold things. I don't know what they if they have a special name or anything. Oh, beautiful. I have my stashy and my friend. <laughs> yeah, um, I usually smudge with, um, with real herbs. So I take lemongrass or any kind of herb and I put like the charcoal. I have the fast burning charcoal. Yeah. And I place it, I get some sand in there and, and a little pot. And I place the charcoal in the center and I light it up until it gets white. I never do this inside of the house. I always do it outside because um, this is self-heater and the smell is not very healthy for humans and neither for animals or anything. <laughs> and um, as soon as the charcoal turns white, I use like real things like this is red sandalwood, for example. And this is, um, I think this is a mix of local trees that are made. You can also collect them all in nature. Yeah, so you, and then you just collect from your local environment and then dry them, essentially. Yeah. Wow, okay. <laughs> well, that's giving me so much inspiration also just to go around like to the forest here and 
and even things by the seaside. I can imagine yeah. like trees as well. Um, you mentioned that there's some that you definitely would not use around like people or for especially pregnant women. Are there any that come to mind also so that people know? Yeah, um, I would not use actually. Um, well, the German name is Eisenkraut. Um, it's iron root. Is that like St. John's wort? No. Mm, yeah. No, St. John's wort is actually good for people um, to lift up the mood. Um, okay. Yeah, the iron root would be like the. Yeah. Yeah, I can write down on the description. Of those yeah, ones. and I wouldn't use um, rue, like um, the wine rue on pregnant women because this can lead to um, con contraceptions. Contractions? Contractions, thank you. <laughs> what did I say? Contraceptions, it's like they, that already <laughs> failed if they're pregnant. Well, <laughs> it's gonna be extra strong, you know? <laughs> and, um, well, what else wouldn't I use? I can also add these onto the description at the bottom if any more come yeah. to mind as well. I mean, yeah, there are some things that are better for rooms than for people, actually. Yeah. I mean, it's, I love that what you say about that every culture is using this because it isn't just hippies, it isn't just people in South America, it's like even the Catholic Church is using it. It's like, it's really such a grounding smell and really you know that there's, it's almost like brings you into ceremony mode or something that like you're, it feels very sacred. It's like this, it's not even fire, it's like smoke, like this real, yeah, yeah beautiful. Yeah. And also you burn stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh, in a, in a <laughs> pyromaniac, so super happy. <laughs> so Satisfying. Beautiful. Okay, so the other thing I really want to, I want to talk about because this is the one that, has the worst rep, I think, amongst modern society. And this is tarot. Yeah. So um, for, maybe you can just say a little bit about what tarot is first before we go to it, because some people might not be sure exactly what, what it is. So tarot is actually like a method of self-reflection. And we use, pictures are used and colors are used to help the mind to reflect. It's like, um, how do you call this um, test that they use in psychology with the- The ink block. The, yeah, the ink test. <laughs> how do you call it again? They have a specific ink block. name. Yeah. Ink block, okay. Block. Yeah, it's like the, yeah, the mirrored block ink thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what you interpret in them or what people interpret in them is very individual. And you have to know um, the language of symbols very much to kind of translate it to people sometimes because of course like if um, if I show you a spider like you probably will have like a negative association with the spider but in some tarot decks they are spiders and they're mostly on cards that represent crafting that represent um like putting your skills and displaying your skills mm -hmm. and just waiting for the client or the bait to come <laughs> and um yeah i mean tarot is pretty cool 
for yourself, for um, your own interpretation, and it trains your intuition like mm -hmm. really well. Yeah. So people can actually use tarot for themselves, not just relying on going on a reading. No, I mean, I would recommend to go on readings because, for example, I learned from really bad tarot readers and really bad hand readers. <laughs> and <laughs> until, but it's helped me so much to um, divide for myself what is good or what is not. Yeah. But of course, you don't have to walk that way. <laughs> and um, I mean, you feel the energy immediately. Like a good tarot reader will not tell you when you get going to get kids or will not tell you when you're gonna die or stuff like this and um, it's always like about the moment and um, it's always about the outcome that probably comes when you continue this behavior or when you continue this way until a certain point yeah. in your life <laughs> yeah i mean I, I received a reading of you when we were in portugal and it was beyond spooky beyond the the interlink to like processes that were happening that day the day before you even pulled a card with my spirit animal on <laughs> like yeah so it's it's a beautiful um like you say modality and method to just get guidance insight and guidance for the present moment it's like it doesn't it isn't anything supernatural or spooky it is just asking for insights i think yeah. And when you see people who are kind of offering these, or let's say pushing them, because uh, you can always offer to do reading for somebody, because I think you can always be connected to them, even if you have only just met. But when people are like really pushing these kind of things, how does that feel for you when you see this happening? You mean when they push me to give a reading or? No, so when you see other people like reaching out, being like, hey, let me read you or this, 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 like, because that's happening a lot, I noticed on social media in particular. and it, uh, even I am a believer in it but even then I'm a bit like skeptical of like their intentions or the standard of what's being offered in that sense yeah me too and well I'm always curious about this because um I don't know how they deal with it energy wise but I can max read two people a day and <laughs> there has to be a time amount in between Mm -hmm. to have the energy because like you always connect with the energy of this person that you're reading and you are in service to them and of course to translate it in or to translate the pictures the numbers on the cards in a way um, that they feel aligned to is some kind of energy work and um, I don't know how people who always, I mean, I feel it's a scam when somebody's offering their, um, their tarot readings all the time. And um, I think that the right people will come to you anyway, that the right people will trust you and know you with what you do. And, I just, I just wait for them to come mostly okay. to ask for reading. Yeah. And then I still decide like, do I want to give it or not? <laughs> yeah. So it's safe to say that if somebody's listening and resonates with you, they could always reach out to see if you would like yeah. reading. Of course. Yeah, well, I went, I'll be adding one thing in the bio anyway.
Um, and we've talked a little bit about symbolism and I think I want to go into this a little bit more because I think you can talk about this for a long time. Um, I mean, this is a big topic, symbolism, archetypes, these kind of ideas that follow through in our the collective unconscious. It's like the whole concept even of like, if you think of a warrior, we're all thinking of the same kind of energy. If you're thinking of, um, yeah, a gold coin, like it all has these different things that come up that will resonate with us. Um, so can you talk a little bit more about what symbolism means for you or just like in this general topic as well? Mm, okay, so this is really a huge topic. And <laughs> well, um, symbolism basically is or um, splits into um, symbolism that we experience on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, your, your spirit animal sometimes shows up and mm -hmm. it reminds you of a certain thing. And then we got the subconscious symbolism, which is, um, which is imprinted by uh, famous psychologists, for example, Freud or um, um, yeah. Jung. Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a <laughs> I'm a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And there's always like a spiritual, like a, um, a meaning that comes delivered from, um, from generations, from indigenous, indigenous um, um, like heritage. Indigenous. Yeah, indigenous yeah. Like heritage. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> and there's also like the psychological side too. Mm -hmm. So depending on where you want to go or how you want to perceive it, always has like more than one meaning and then it comes of course like with your personal meaning is um is mostly important about symbolism so if you decide <clears throat> that um seeing bees on new year's eve for example is not that special that's like your your thing but uh, for another person this could be like very special like why are there bees in my garden when it's New Year's Eve, like that's crazy in, in January. <laughs> and if, how could somebody go around, go about like identifying these kind of symbolisms in their life? Mm, just be open for it. I think there's um, a lot of this modern um, uh, number symbolism, like seeing the 1111 and- <laughs> Yeah, I literally wrote yeah. last night. <laughs> yeah. So what does it mean for you actually when mm. you see like a particular I think you posted about this yesterday 21 I did, yeah. yeah about synchronicity so it's hilarious that we're talking yeah. about it um yeah from because I'm I'm always very hyper aware that even also when I'm doing like dream analysis that I never look up like what does this symbol mean because it's mm -hmm. like oftentimes for somebody else to explain my subconscious to me doesn't resonate the only times I've ever done it is when I've had like very specific gods come up in my dream. Then I'm like, okay, why is Anubis showing up in my dream? Like, cause it was happening like in multiple forms, multiple dreams. So from that element, I did feel called to look up the meaning, but like, if I see like a horse or there's water, like I, I've learned a lot from dream analysis that your own interpretation, your own first instinct is the one that is right. Yeah. 
home when I see lots of things going on like 1111 means this or 2020 means this or 1919 means this I always take it with a pinch of salt of like I understand those angel numbers but also for my own feeling for it so in particular when because it I don't just get 1111 I probably get equal numbers like five times a day mm-hmm. um for me it often means like um I wrote this thing of like because they're mirroring each other so I often am like it's mirroring they're mirroring each other and mirroring for me so it's a moment that if I see it I pause and I feel into um what's going on right now am I on the right track is there something that I'm not seeing right now or is there something that's going well like if I was having a particular thought or I'm working on a particular thing at that moment I look at my phone and it's that time and I'm like ah okay it's either like a point of alignment for me or a point of reflection. Nice. Yeah, yeah. that's like a perfect reminder. Exactly. So I never yeah. use it as like a, it, and it's also really nice because I have a lot of like, sometimes even like my friends or partners when that's also a, like a moment to think of somebody, if you catch your phone and then you see it and then you can be like, oh, 1919. And then it's like a lovely way of like sending a little connection message as well. Um, but because for me, to be honest, the number pattern I always get is one, two, three, four. One, 12, two, three, four. 12, like evolving. Yeah, like, and sometimes it'll either be like, yeah, two, three, four, or like, I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. often awake at 2 a.m., but like, it's always around 12.34 that I catch, I get that every day. And yes, you could say it's like your body clock and you're used to that time, but obviously we also have summer mm-hmm. daylight saving time. So for, for half the year, it's a different time than the other half. So it's also not to do with the light and things like this so um yeah and sometimes you just get numbers coming up like I had like <laughs> hilariously the number 69 following me for like weeks like <laughs> everywhere it was following me in like my account number of something and on street numbers and on telephone numbers I was just like I know that we associate that in society with something else but <laughs> like what's going on here <laughs> so well yeah it's just a moment for like introspection of like <laughs> why is this number pattern yes. showing and yeah like you say it's just creating your own relationship to what it means for you like yeah. this is your life your soul your spirit no one should should or can tell you how you should interpret it and yeah, yeah so that's how how it lands for me at least yeah. so you're always your own guide like in every way and that's amazing <laughs> i also have these numbers that i that remind me of people or for example, my, um, my boyfriend and I, we got a number. So his number is 13 and mine is 31. And I often come across like looking at my phone at 1331 or coming across at a car that has like this number on, <laughs> yeah. That's and it so- always reminds me of like, this is the moment, like, of course I think of him more often, but <laughs> this is okay. the moment like, okay, <laughs> that's, that's a nice sign. <laughs> I love that actually I had um weirdly somebody else had that number combination they in the last like like I think they traveled home on like the 13th of December and came back on the 31st and it was like both their numbers and things so it's really beautiful that um it's like around people especially because 13 isn't always well we talked about this on the retreat actually about the number 13 right yeah. like Friday the 13th our retreat started on that day and in society that's normally the the bad luck day but this is actually completely twisted from the source maybe you can tell yeah. about it yeah it was from was it from pagan 
um, heritage or it was something about, yeah, I can't remember. You were telling me about this, so. Did I? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was more like the, um, it was around like the, a witch's day or day around, um, yeah, like a celebratory day around like women and femininity. And then as the patriarchal system got more and more, it became almost like a bad luck day because it was actually the day that all the women and their energy and power was like heightened. And yeah. sort of like, um, no, bad luck. The demons and the witches are out of the day. It's an unlucky day now, like, as usual. <laughs> 13 is like a very powerful number. I think also in tarot, which is pretty interesting. Um, the 13, I don't know if I can find it right here. I love it. You split the deck and it was like the first card. <laughs> yeah, but actually this means transformation. Mm. Like it's a very transformative card. Uh, it adds up to my lucky number. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's four. <laughs> it's also, I mean. <laughs> well, while you're looking for this, um, I also just want to thank you for having gone in depth on all of these. Ooh, which one is it? Death. Death. <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty funny that this card comes up when you say it's your lucky number because you're Scorpio as far as I know. Mm -hmm. And Scorpio is associated actually with this card. Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as a Scorpio, I, I really feel like a dark mystical witch anyway, <laughs> who's like, <laughs> Beautiful. Harboring all this like dark energy, but in like a sometimes productive way in life. <laughs> so, yeah, I feel that I know you're going on maternity leave, but I do think if anybody listens to this and wants to connect with you, I will add like your Instagram or do your emotional release work, but that they can just reach you for any questions about these kind of topics or if they're curious about diving into this more. Um, yeah. Is there anything else that's like alive for you that feels like it wants to be shared before we close off? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed so much talking to you. Like You're that. a bliss. I love you, Ashley. Mm -hmm. So much love for you too. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well then, I want to thank you for diving up deeper into the delta frequency of Intune. And for those of you who are listening, thank you again. And We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you, Sonia. Thank you.